Hey everybody, welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt uh, Sports Podcast. Uh, this is Sean. Uh, just to recap, uh, what we're going to talk about today, uh, it was a full show. Um, lots of NBA, big story, free agents going, LeBron to LA, some other big names staying, and uh, a couple other notable moves around the league. Free agency got off to a little uh, quicker start than even a lot of people thought. So we're touching upon all of those notes. In addition, a big weekend series that wrapped up in Yankee Stadium. Yanks take two of three from Boston. Sonny Gray continues to struggle. David Price can't beat the Yankees. And going down to a lot of predictions and storylines surrounding Major League Baseball before the trade deadline in a month. So just to wrap up with a little Jameis Winston talk uh, of his suspension after that. So we got right into it. A lot to cover. And thanks for listening. All right, everybody, welcome back to Sorry to Interrupt Podcast. I'm Sean. Tom, how's it going today? What's going on, man? Uh, NBA looks a little bit different, doesn't it? It, it sure does in the eight days since we last spoke. Uh, Eastern Conference is completely decimated now. It at this is. Point. I mean, it is a welcome party for the Sixers and the Celtics. You have to believe that they are. They threw a little bit of a party when they saw the news on Sunday. Celtics, uh, barring injury, are fi- definitely finals favorites. Not even close. And then your uh, your little bandwagon team there in Philadelphia looks like uh, they could be that second team. I mean, they, they yeah, certainly could yeah. be. I mean. That's People count out Milwaukee, and it's like we said this um, during their playoff run. Had they just had a coach that actually like had a pulse, um, I think they can be. I think they could be really good. You know who's not happy right now is Dwayne Casey because that Toronto team was probably the best team in the East the last two years, with the exception of Cleveland. And Cleveland was the only team they couldn't beat. And now, as soon as LeBron leaves, of course, Dwayne Casey gets let go. He goes to Detroit, which is not nearly the same team that his Raptors were. But now, maybe under a new coach, uh, the Raptors can finally break free as well. There's going to be a lot more openness in the East. don't see that happening, but you know, I think it's Boston's division to lose. Oh, I agree with you, but at least there's going to be a little bit more of an Parity. open door. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're not going to have to deal with the monster that is LeBron James and the Cavaliers. But um, speaking of which, the story that broke Sunday evening, the biggest story by far, uh, one story that uh, I know both of us had kind of had an idea it might drag a little bit into the first week or two yeah, of free agency. Yeah, I said on the pod earlier, you know, they're, they're all going to drag this out. And boy, I was uh, the opposite. I, hey, was I, I was in agreement with you, but yeah, wow. Paul George first, back to OKC. Yeah, Paul George and Chris Paul basically at the same time on Saturday night. And then the major bomb fell on Sunday with LeBron uh, inking the four-year deal in LA. So, you say major bomb, but it's like... This has been talked about since the 2017 NBA Finals. Yes, but by far, this is the biggest move. Of all the other names, this course, is the one that's going to change uh, the than landscape of Caldwell the West. Pulp. <laughs> and JaVale McGee. I mean, some interesting characters with the signings that they made afterwards. Rajon Rondo. It's just so weird because it's like, does LeBron like tell whoever the owner or whoever's in charge like hey don't make it too easy on me like i you know i want to earn it so give me some clowns and you know give me lance stevenson or something (laughs) i think it's one of the funniest ones i can't think of that image of uh without thinking of lance stevenson blown in his ear in that game in the uh east finals back when uh he was a member of the uh Indiana Pacers and LeBron was with the Heat. Being that Deshaun Stevenson now plays in the big three, I guess Lance is the LeBron stopper, (laughs) as they would say. That has has to be it, right? 
Um, but yeah, so um, the West looks a lot different now. And absolutely, a, another move that really caught my eye. It, it was not going to be the next talking point, but it kind of evolved that way yesterday. Was DeMarcus Cousins coming off a significant injury he signs a one-year mid-level exception with the Warriors? And I tell you what, and that people, move is, is not, insane. Yeah, this is not talked about enough. It's one year, five point three. So he'll probably, barring the fact that he's just a quarter of the player that he ever was. Um, he'll probably end up getting a max next year. But, I mean, could you imagine if I told you this last year or even at the All-Star break when DeMarcus Cousins was by far, especially because Anthony Davis was playing the four, the best center in basketball, head and shoulders above anyone else offensively, and when he wants to try, he's a decent defender as well. Well, they'll make him try out there. Yeah, I mean, this is just insane. It's like... Uh, the Warriors somehow figured out a way, you know, crazy roundabout way because of the injury to get even better. Like this guy was an all-star starter. He was going to be first team All-NBA. Yeah, I mean, I don't the, know how else to say. It. The story is, is that his injury was so significant and a lot of teams were kind of pessimistic about whether he would be able yeah. to come back this year, even but, at all. But two teams, the he turned down, he turned down a two year, $23 million deal from the Pelicans in season. And he also turned down a deal from the Lakers, supposedly. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't hear the Lakers on Bleacher Report recently. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was familiar with the, um, with the Pelicans, but Wow, I mean, to have a starting lineup, if he is ready uh, by opening day in a few months, if you, you're going to have, I mean, this is a prolific, if you could tell me you're going to have Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and DeMarcus Cousins all in the same lineup with Draymond Green and Klay Thompson flanking them, oh my God. That sounds like a starting lineup for an all-star game. I mean, you know. It, it basically is, All yeah. of them played Team USA. They all, you know, like, it, it's crazy. I mean, I don't even know what else to say. It's like. Can LeBron catch a break? He he signs this big thing with the Lakers, and then the Warriors just make it even more difficult. Yeah, but you know what? He's obviously asking for it because he could have stayed in Cleveland and maybe gotten – I mean, you can see the writing on the wall that they were not going to beat the Warriors in a NBA Finals. Yeah. But you think with maybe joining a team that has some more young talent – um, the landscape of the West, maybe get through a few teams, get to get a crack at the Warriors again. Um, but I'm kind of surprised he didn't stay in the East. I know the Lakers were the rumored move for a while. I, I thought there was a chance with a while. Philly. Talk about two years. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a while. Well, supposedly he gave a courtesy meeting to the 76ers, but neither him nor his agent Rich Paul were there. So yeah, uh, who showed up? Maybe his, you know, his mailman or something. <laughs> maybe I don't know. <laughs> You know, a lot of inside cousin. scoop. Well, yeah. we know Woj was there, right? But um, yeah, <laughs> pretty crazy uh, that you know he's going over to the West, where his his path uh, to the finals and and achieving a ninth straight NBA Finals is going to be seriously in jeopardy. Um, but hey, I, I if he can get the Lakers past the Rockets, past the Warriors. The, the up and coming Jazz. I think even you can the throw nuggets. the Nuggets in there. The Spurs. You know we're not going to go quietly away. Suns. <laughs> Dallas might make a move. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, Dallas did make a move. Well, they did, but with uh, I mean with their draft pick for sure, and then DeAndre Jordan. Finally, three years later, they yes. find him. But back to the LeBron thing, because I feel like we just need to talk about this. I mean, it's interesting because you know he he didn't sign that one one year. With a player option for year two, he he's locked into three years three plus with another an option, player right? option. Um, so this seems like it's where LeBron wants to finish it off. 
Can you blame him? I mean, if I told you, barring any talents at all, that you would have the opportunity to live in Los Angeles and make the same amount of money or live in Cleveland and have the same job, make the same amount of money, what would you do? Well, to me, I mean, and 99% of the population, that's an easy decision, but because he's a local guy and he wanted to go back. I he mean, won them a championship, and now he wants to follow in the footsteps of Magic Johnson becoming a billionaire um, you know, guy that owns an empire of all these businesses. And, you know, it's like... I want to live in L.A. I, I live in L.A. He owns two houses in Brentwood. I live in L.A. in the off season. I want to live in L.A. during the season. Who wouldn't? It sounds like a really great place to live. And it's also like you want to set up. Now it's just like setting up a legacy. It's setting up your kids. His kid supposedly is a pretty good basketball player by all, by all accounts. He wants to send him to a much better prep school in Los Angeles that probably has better teachers and all this other stuff. Well, I mean, if if we're going to name the differences and reasons why you want to be in LA or Cleveland, we can just do five hours on this podcast of that alone. The bottom line is, you know, this is where the guy, you know, maybe it's like taking, you know, a job right before you end your career just to move somewhere you want to go. True. And not to mention that it, it is the greatest basketball franchise of all time when it comes to, I know the Celtics have more championships, but I mean, do the I two have are to... simpatico though? There, those are the two. But not hallmark. even that. Do I have to rattle off the names? Probably seven or eight of the top twenty players of all time in the NBA have played for the Lakers. When you yeah. talk about, you know, Jerry West all the way up, Elgin to Kobe. Baylor, yeah, all, all know, of those, and guys. everybody in between. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. I saw a stat. They have six of the top ten scoring players wore a Lakers uniform at one point or the other. In their career, That's insane. Because you have to keep in mind, Carl Malone played for the Lakers. He did, that one year and um, when he got hurt, and the Pistons beat yeah, them. they had Gary Payton even played the all-time assist leader or second-time yeah. assi- uh, assist leader. Third, but yeah, I mean, still, I mean, to put him up there, I mean, that's pretty crazy. So yeah, no, it, it's just, uh, I mean, who wouldn't want to go to L.A.? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised. Nobody should be. All the speculation, LeBron, whoever LeBron's PR people did a really good job keeping everybody guessing and just keeping everybody entertained for the last two years. We all should have known better. He was going to L.A., and I can't blame him, and nobody in Cleveland can either. He brought him a championship. This is a he's totally under, different experience than last time Absolutely. Around. He's yeah. probably under the second worst ownership in the NBA behind my beloved James Dolan. Um, with Dan Gilbert. So, I mean, listen. <laughs> Cleveland's not even as bad as the Knicks as far as ownership. I can't say wow. that they are. Um, but, you know, he's got a cast of characters around him. I think Rondo will definitely make a difference. JaVel McGee is fun, and he's, I guess you could say he's got a championship pedigree, being that he's got two rings. Lance Stevenson, I guess, won't bother him because now he's on his team. Caldwell Pope, he signed, they're paying him uh, over the past two years. They paid him... I believe right around $30 million, which is absolutely absurd. A guy that I think is terribly overpaid and is a very underwhelming player, but he's an athlete under LeBron's, suppose not LeBron's, but LeBron's best friends. Okay, for sure, LeBron, you don't own the agency. <laughs> Clutch sports. So, you know, you know he's going to get paid, and you know all of the rest of LeBron's guys are going to get paid. Um, Kyle Kuzma just signed with Clutch Sports, so I guess he's going to be a That's going to work out next, yep. Um yeah, so, I mean, yeah, LeBron to the Lakers. Uh, even now, the current standing of this team is interesting. I mean, you got an up-and-coming Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, 
And the rest of the game, uh, you know, the other guys that I really don't have to name because they're not that significant, but they're decent players around him. You know, that's a good. That's a so good. So where do you stack team. him right now? In just in the, the west. west. In just the west. That's hard, man. Um, I probably have to say with LeBron James, they're probably they're probably the third best team in the west. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Yeah, I'm not I, ready I to put him put past them ahead Houston. Of Houston nope. And I mean, clearly not ahead of the Warriors. No, although but I LeBron will say, signed for four years, so clearly he's or three years in a player option, so clearly he's in it for not just next year. Yeah, and I will say that Houston lost a, a big part of their team with Trevor Ariza going to the Suns. Yeah, I, but you if know, there's he's one not, thing I have to say: the guy is 34 years old. I th- he might be 36 on a one-year deal, though. He had a lot of big shots for them, and he he got a lot of minutes. And yeah, he, but he, he shot, scored a lot. He shot an all-time low from three-point land. That's only going to get worse as your legs get more tired. And if there's one guy that I can trust analytically to get another 3 and D guy in there, because don't forget, they got Luke Bamute, who is like a younger, better version of Ariza, who got hurt to replace his minutes. And then to replace Bamute's minutes, I think Daryl Morey's going to find a guy. I'm not worried about it at all. Yeah, and they resigned Gerald Green. Yeah, Gerald Green. There you go. Hit some threes. Yep. I'm 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 not as nearly as concerned about that as for you. I think that's more interesting from a six uh, from a sun standpoint because you're teaching you're having a really really good perimeter defender um, kind of tutor the younger up and coming perimeter defenders and bridges as well as Jackson. So you know I think I think the Suns are going to be a really fun t- team to watch. You know I kind of put them in that category on NBA TV. Absolutely, I put them in a good in the same category as Dallas. I think Dallas could make a jump this year, yeah. kind of like how a Utah did. Um, you know, last year I know yeah, Utah I was. I th- believe that Utah was the seven seed in the sixteen seventeen. They got up to what were they? The three last year, right? Yeah, I think they were they were right around there, and I, I agree with you. I put you know. Them, obviously, Denver's a little bit higher than them, being that they finished just outside of the playoffs, and Dallas are all interesting teams to watch. And then you got Portland out there, too. You never know what they're going to do. The Western Conference just far and beyond dominates the Eastern Conference. I mean, when you're talking about the oh Brooklyn my God. Nets, might be able to sneak into an 8 Well, this seed. is That's why scary. there's a new conversation. Well, not new, but kind of intensifying one this 1-16 through 16. 16. Yep, configuration, which I wouldn't be opposed to. I mean, I mean, you know, it's, it's fine. In 19... 19- 75 I get it it's hard to travel from the east to the west coast but you know you got everybody flies now the anybody can fly across the country it's not hard no and it's I, 2018 like that's that was the only reason why you had an eastern conference and a western conference playoff yeah, and I still don't understand why divisions are even still classified. They yeah. mean obviously nothing aside from the fact that you play each team I believe four times in a season um but yeah, I, I I think that that would probably, if you want to continue this trend of most appealing NBA games, especially now that the Lakers, I mean, the Lakers are a brand name anyway. I mean, you kind of see it in baseball with the Yankees. They get plenty of Sunday night games, even when they're not at their best. The Lakers are getting Friday night primetime games all the time, even Absolutely. in the years where they're winning 18 or 19 games. I mean, when you look at the most popular sports teams in the world, you can say it's most likely the Yankees, the Lakers, Real Madrid, Dallas Cowboys, Barcelona, and Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that that's pretty much the upper echelon. And, you know, LeBron's just going to add to his legacy by going there. Um, yep, and if he could win them a championship, especially getting past now this new, even, I can't believe I'm saying it, even better uh, Golden State team, uh, that would be probably up there with beating them in 16 
his yeah. greatest accomplishment in in a you know just incredibly impeccable career. Well, I mean, you got to think about. I mean, obviously, the guy's got a trophy room probably bigger than all of our houses combined, um, and all these accomplishments. You know, from the biggest accomplishment so far has been going to the Eastern Con- or sorry to the finals since 2011. Uh, yeah, yeah and, his first and, year in, in Miami. And then another another huge thing, which I think people are overlooking, is the fact that he could win a championship with all – he could bring all three champ, uh, franchises a championship, which would be insane. Yeah, the only other two players to have done that are uh, Robert Ory. I'm drawing the blank on the second guy, but I know Robert Ory was the last, and obviously you do not put Robert Ory in the same class as LeBron James. Yeah, uh, no. Those are guys who kind of in the end of their career are going to be able to attach onto a really good team. Uh, and kind and you know play some good role minutes. LeBron James has dr- been the driving force of every team, obviously that he's won a championship with. So yeah, LeBron James is the second greatest player ever, probably the worst GM ever. Yeah, well, obviously, I mean, now you see the state of flux that Cleveland's in. It'll be interesting to see what they do with uh, with Kevin Love. Love. Yeah, I, Love. it makes sense. They should get as many assets. Now you can develop Colin Sexton a little bit and, and keep some of those guys that LeBron got last year. He didn't leave them in as bad a shape as he did last time where it was like, oh, well, at least we have Anderson Varejao. Oh, my like, God. Like, that's what they had, and they had to get – they got – three first round picks in a matter of like five years. Yep. And they fucked up obviously the Anthony Bennett pick. That was all that was one of the worst first that's right up there with like Kwame Brown and a few others. Oh absolutely. Um but they ended up with Kyrie and they ended up with Andrew Wiggins which turned into uh Kevin Love. But so to move on down the line, we already said it DeAndre Jordan to the Mavs. This doesn't really do anything for me. I think he'll be an interesting guy to do a pick and roll with Luca as well as Dennis Smith. Um, a good lob guy. If you were to tell me I could have had um, Clint Capella over him, I would take him in a heartbeat. But one-year deal. I think he's probably just going to look for a four-year deal next year. Yep. And somebody will be stupid enough to give it to him. There's I mean, in this NBA. stupid contracts even handed out this past year. Yep. Um, and, yeah, so he's going to go to the Mavs. I think the Mavs could sneak in as a 7 or an 18. I do, too. I, I think that Luka Doncic is going to be really, really good. I think he's going to grow. God, I hope he is. And you really hyped him up. <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, Dennis Smith is, I, I still think, a, a really exciting, good young player who's just going to get better. Um, and you and you still got Nowitzki, who's going to hobble up and down the court, but he'll be able to shoot. Uh, he'll hit 15. Just a, yeah. He'll get his 15 a game. Yep. And then, you know, you got DeAndre Jordan to run that pick and roll, as you alluded to, but also Harry play some Barnes, good defense. Yeah, they, they, got, the they got pod. some pieces. Yeah. Um, after that, you got um, a guy that... You've been saying since last time you kind of wanted, um, but he ended up going to the Pelicans. Not going to fill the Boogie Cousins void, but uh, Julius Randle out of, uh, at, from L.A. I think he's a really good young up-and-coming player. And yeah, I, think I do too. He, uh, he's, he's a really good piece to have next to a guy like Anthony Davis. Absolutely. I think his numbers are going to get even better down there in New Orleans. Um, I was sad to see Rondo go because they had a good thing going between him and Holiday. They did. Um, but I think Randall's going to get his shots. I think he got... You know, he was able to take advantage of being a, a good up-and-coming player on a really bad team and, and with the Lakers the last few years. Um, I think he'll play well with Davis. He was a guy that I saw on the restricted free agent list where, as a net fan, I was looking like, 
boy, like he kind of fits that mold of players the Nets are looking to get, right? Like good young players who maybe fell out of love yeah, with, with their picks. older, yep, yep, with their with their uh, current teams. Um, and it looked like New Orleans swooped in pretty quickly once they found out that Cousins left. Don't blame them. I know that they still want to get back to the postseason. They won a postseason round last year, sweeping the Trailblazers before eventually falling, um, obviously to the Warriors. So that was a move that I would have liked to see the Nets make, but that was a that was a good quick pivot there by New Orleans to get him. Yeah, no, I mean, there's really nothing you can do when you lose a player of uh, Boogie Cousins, you know, caliber. But they did the best that they could using that newfound cap space. Uh, a couple other guys like Fred Van Vliet went back to Toronto, who I think is a really good player, and I think he should get a little more run over. An older Kyle Lowry, and he might declining. too with a new coach. There's yep. a chance. They may, you know, you never know. He may, they may trade um, Kyle Lowry, and uh, who else? Aaron Gordon signed back with the Magic. I think the Magic may end up trading him somewhere down the line, but he's a great young player that I don't think is in the proper situation or even being properly utilized. No, um, but they're going for pure athleticism with him and. Um, What's his name? Bamba out of uh, out of uh, Texas. Bamba and Isaacs as well. That's um, right. And another guy you have is Doug McDermott signing with the uh, Indiana Pacers for like three years and twenty something million. Yeah, and we didn't mention a little Joke. crazy. Yeah, it's it's a lot of money. Jokic re-signing the max deal with Denver. That was that was understood. You know, I kind of saw that one. Yeah, to keep him. Um, and then the Denver Nuggets actually um made a trade today they signed will barton to a four-year 50 million dollar deal which kind of made me scratch my head still better than contavious caldwell pope but <laughs> four-year 50 million dollars and then they turn around and flip him to the sixers um for and, and also a uh, a pick was involved in that deal going to the sixers um trying to figure out what the sixers are doing here i'm guessing being that they just tied up a ton of cap space with that they're probably out on tr- uh, trading for Kawhi leonard maybe i don't know i don't know what that means unless they have another move up their sleeve um but maybe the nuggets are in on trading for Kawhi leonard or they're gonna try and really go after it next year in free agency because they were in cap hell being that they have paul Millsap and now they have jokic so they actually may have just made this move to get under that massive luxury tax, but I don't know. I'm just starting to guess on things, but moving on to the last two things. So for the NBA, uh, just to go local. So we'll go with the Brooklyn Nets first, um, your favorite team. You're happy with the two deals they made. I am. Yeah. Those struck right after midnight, the first night of free agency, uh, the Nets locked up Joe Harris, who I know I had mentioned his name on a couple podcasts leading up to the draft. I was going to say he was going to be a free agent where if they were able to get lucky enough to draft either a Grayson Allen or a um, DiVincenzo, that they could maybe let him walk in free agency. Um, obviously, that pick didn't work out for any of those guys. Uh, Joe Harris has become a very nice player with the Nets. He's a good perimeter defender. He he went from really just a three-point guy to a real slash and dash guy, get to the rim. Three and D, too. Yeah, all those. All those you I, know. I, I like him. I, I, I really do. He fits Atkinson's offense quite well. He's very athletic. He's young. He's smart a smart basketball smart player. basketball player, from especially being from those Virginia teams that were going deep into the tournament every year. Um, and then they signed um, they signed Ed Davis, who was a backup center last year with Portland. Um, I didn't know a tremendous amount about him, but the more I looked into him, he's a rebounding freak. Uh, he averaged seven rebounds in 15 minutes last year, playing time, not much of an offensive threat. Maybe he gets a little better. Um, You're backing the up. offensive guy, though. 
yeah, know, and Jared Allen, Allen yeah, struggles a little bit more on the defensive end and on the rebounding side. So yeah, and they I kind know complement each other really well. One thing I like to see uh, was how upset that um, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard were at letting him go. So those are two guys that the that the Blazers really took advantage of with uh, Alan Crabb and Ed Davis that the Nets kind of swooped in and took. Uh, Little move there than the uh, Blazers signed Nick Stauskas, who I was not sad to not uh, sad to see leave. No, so, he's just a but you know what? These guy. are what the Nets have to do. I mean, the, the Dwight Howard got bought out um, officially today, um, and Looks like he's going to the and Wizards. he's going to sign with the Wizards. Enjoy, so that quick <laughs> that quick quick nightmare is over. And um, so Ed Davis backing up Jared Allen. You know, the Nets are going to have room for two max players next year. We, we already talked about they're not going to get the cream of the crop, but they're going to be able to sign some good guys. Good deals with the guys they're currently going after. They're not trying to go yep. nuts. They're not going to spend like crazy. Julius Randle was a player I would have liked to see them go after, especially with the money and the years committed to by New Orleans. But no, I, I liked what the Nets did. You know, we just spoke. Maybe they can sneak into the eight. If they, they won 28 games last year with the healthy D'Angelo Russell, maybe they get into the 35 range. Who knows what the East is going to have at the bottom. But you know what? They're continually moving in the right direction, which I've said all along. Next year they have their first pick, and God knows how long uh, in the first round. I'm looking forward to that. So just keep building, signing good players, good locker room guys, good guys that fit Atkinson's mold and Sean Marks's mold. And um, we'll see if they have any more moves in them. I know they've been linked to Jabari Parker a little bit if, if Milwaukee lets him leave. Once again, a former lottery pick who might fall out of love with the current Injury team. Injury riddle, but you know, Injury take a riddle, two year, take three a year flyer on him. So we'll see. But um, so that's what the Nets did. I'm in favor of both those moves, and and you know, I really am trusting this regime. I mean, they have done nothing to show that that you know they're doing things wrong, and they're going to let the landscape of the league play out while they kind of try to adopt their philosophy and and go through the rigors of the season with young players and some reclamation projects as well. Um, but heading into the other borough with the main New York team, because I'm not going to pretend like the Nets are the main New York team, um, over in Manhattan at the Garden, uh, the Knicks are approaching this free agency a little bit different than they normally have, but much to your uh, much to your desire. Yeah, no, they, uh, they well, Cantor opted in, and I was um, talking about that at, I didn't really care either way, but I'd like to, I would have rather seen him gone. He really doesn't bring much to a team that just wants to develop young guys. But no, fine. but I will say this about Cantor: I he, I like him in that locker room because he he's could not be a trade piece. He could be a trade piece if he plays well. He's not going to take any crap. He's a, he's a good locker room team chemistry guy. He's going to fight hard. He's going to give you that grit. Um, that's not going to show up in wins or losses, but it could show up for those young players. I mean, you're trying to establish kind of the same kind of new locker room that the Nets were, right? Like get rid of those old guys that come with baggage, that come with personality issues. Um, he, he's going to fight. He, he ain't backing down from anybody, and that could be a, a little bit infectious on, on the Knicks with a, young, with a young team. Yeah, he even went up uh, against LeBron. Um, but, yeah, so they went out and signed one guy uh, – I, I like to say stolen from the Magic, Mario Hazonia, who was a lottery pick just a few years back. Um, you know, the Magic are probably one of the worst. I think the Magic might be the worst-run organization in, in the NBA uh, right now. Um, just playing players out of position, signing horrible contracts. Mbaka, 
um, to name one, Terrence Ross. I could go. The list could really go on for. I, we could be here for five hours for that too. <laughs> um, this guy is a pure scorer. Um, uh, the only thing I'm concerned with is just him and Tim Hardaway Jr. But if you play, you know, one's on the floor, one's off the floor, kind of thing. I think that he could really develop, and the Knicks maybe could trade Tim Hardaway Jr. Or, Figure out a way to package him with something. I I you really that don't deal. want Tim Hardaway no, Jr. on your was, team, do you? You know how I feel about that. Um, but yeah, I, I like that. A one-year, six-point-five mil deal. That's great for me. Um, you know, it gives him a nice little tryout for the year. There, the Knicks, aside from Joe Kim Noah and Tim Hardaway Jr., really don't have any. You know, I say that Reason aside to watch. From, <laughs> no, well, aside from. You know the the two big deals, Joakim Noah. Thanks again, Phil Jackson. Um, He's the gift that just keeps on giving. Yeah. Aside from those two deals, they really don't have too much cap space tied up, which is good because Kevin Durant keeps signing uh, one year deals, and when he comes to the Knicks, oh you will not be God. making that look because oh he God. will be a Nick. In, he will not. The next Kyrie years. might be though. No, Kevin Love. Uh, sorry, Kevin Durant. It's already been rumored that he may go to the Knicks within the next three years. After he's done doing his shit in Silicon Valley, he wants to play for the Knicks. That would be incredible. All right? But I've got a little trade for you. This will be fun. Oh, this will be fun. So I had a little bit of free time. You know, I was messing around on my phone today, just wasting data as per usual. Um, so hear me out. So the longer that Kawhi sits on the shelf for the Spurs, his his I don't want to say his value but what what the Spurs are going to get for him keeps going down. The Sixers look to be out. The Celtics want to get Anthony Davis. Nobody else seems to want to give anything up for him because you know he's going to sign with the Lakers. So hear me out, all right? The, the Lakers need to clear cap space to get Kawhi, and they want to get it done. They want to get out of the way. They got a quick trigger clearly on guys. They couldn't even wait 24 hours after they signed LeBron to sign all these fucking clowns that are going to be around in August, okay? So... Let's say it gets to the trade deadline and the Spurs are, you know, like, listen, we're, he's either going to walk away or we'll take what we can get from him, all right? So I put a little trade together through the trade generator, and it worked. Lonzo Ball and Luau Dang for Courtney Lee, two-year deal. That's a good guy for LeBron to have if he's trying to win a championship. Number one, he's a 3 and D kind of guy. And number two, if he was playing where JR was playing, he would have called timeout in that, on that, <laughs> in that situation. <laughs> Enos Cantor, you know, him and LeBron love each other. Not really, but I think he's a type he, of... No, LeBron, we would respect the way he plays. Exactly. Emmanuel Moutier, another guy on a one-year deal. It's an expiring contract. You could see what you got with him, or you could put him into a Spurs deal for Kawhi Leonard. Still a young guy, was a lottery pick. And Ron Baker... A one-year deal. You so, can't let go of Ron Baker. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so then, also, you would give a second-round pick and a first-round pick because the Lakers don't have their picks, and they need a little something to give back to the Spurs. So then the Knicks basically absorb Luol Dang's contract, which is going to... Which is going to get a lot of cap space for the for the uh, for the Lakers, and they in turn get Lonzo Ball. The Lakers get some spare change that they can throw into the deal at a first round pick from the Knicks, um, and maybe they could even throw you know they can throw in the second round pick, and then they can then turn around and give up the Knicks first round pick, um, a Lakers you know a Lakers second or the Knicks second round pick. 
and they can throw in Emmanuel Moutier and Ron Baker and say, hey, you can let Ron Baker walk at the end of the year and see maybe you'll like what you get with, you know, maybe you'll like what you get with Moutier, or you can turn around and flip them again for an expiring guy for the Spurs to maybe try and entice the re-signing, and then they get Kawhi Leonard. What do you think of that? Well, uh, I think that you really need to have more going on. But um, yeah, I was a little <laughs> bored today. But but wow, I mean, yeah, I mean that's a lot. Hey, listen, it, it will be very interesting to see how LeBron. It will never and, happen, but it could happen if I was running the team. Well, yeah, unfortunately, you're not. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see how Lonzo Ball plays with LeBron and vice versa. I think LeBron, I think he'll be the perfect player for LeBron because he's a good point guard. He's an elite level passer. Really good. De- he's probably he's probably a better defender at the point guard position or at the guard position than LeBron's had in a long time. Yeah, like the Amon Shumperts has, of the world, the J.R. Smiths of the world. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, and Calderones and Corvers. and he's the type of point guard where. He makes the right pass all the time. He makes great passes all the time, and he doesn't need to dribble the clock down to 10 seconds like Isaiah Thomas or Kyrie Irving. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, as far as your pipe dreams. That being said, I want him to get <laughs> traded to the Knicks, okay? And that's a way for the Lakers to also hold on to guys like Brandon Ingram because the more the clock ticks on this, the worse it is for the Spurs. I don't understand how they don't see this, but because if you get to the mid, if you get to mid-season – if the Lakers aren't a one through three seed, they're probably just going to say, hey, we're just going to resign. Fuck it. We'll just sign him at the end of the year. We'll we'll figure out a way to trade Luol Deng, and we're just going to trade him. So unlike last year when everybody was saying Paul George will be a Laker, not if but when, I feel differently about Kawhi. I think you know Kawhi has made it very obvious that he doesn't have any intention of going anywhere other than L.A. It was purely speculative with uh, Paul George. It's basically been defined that Kawhi wants to be there. So one way or another, and especially with LeBron there, he will end up there. And I don't think LeBron would have gone without even thinking of the fact that whether it be free agency next year, you wait a year to get him, or the Lakers are going to do everything they can in a trade to get him, that he was not going to be able to play with Kawhi Leonard. Not to mention the other variable um, that, like, Paul George ended up falling in love with the Oklahoma City organization. They embraced him. And he wanted to stay there because he liked it. I don't know what he sees in the city, but he likes the team, um, you know, and they invested in him, yada, yada, yada. Kawhi Leonard openly hates the team that he plays for. So it's not like you can say, oh, well, you know, maybe he'll have a change of heart. No, he like already. No, but the thought is, is that times. if they move him somewhere else, maybe he will do what the Paul, Paul George did. Because when Paul George, if you, Paul George my, had stayed with Indiana, he probably would be a Laker right now. I agree with you. But my point is, is that the longer that the Spurs hold on to him, the less and less and less that they're going to get for him. To the point where either they're going to trade him before the season starts or they're going to trade him for even less when the trade deadline rolls rolls around or they're going to get nothing for him except a you know a, a com- compensation first-round pick when he walks. Right. So, I mean, also the way the Spurs should look at it is, and, and, and I'm certainly not one to question Popovich. I mean, there's Popovich is the Belichick of the NBA. Yeah, and, but I, I think, you know, they're, they're but the he might but, but let's be honest. The Spurs, even if they have Kawhi and Kawhi decides with a change of heart that he will play there and he's going to play at 100% max for them, that's not a team that's probably even finishing in the top five of the West. I disagree. I mean, they were a decent team last year with spare parts. And don't forget that Kawhi, when he did not have this phantom 
whatever quad calf, injury, calf, yeah. quad, whatever. The guy was a top three player in the NBA offensively and defensively, the best player in the NBA defensively. And by all efficiency rankings and the eye tests as well, he was a top three offensive player. Pair that with LaMarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay, and whatever else they have around there, I think they could be a four seed. I just don't think that Kawhi is going to – I don't know what's going to happen. I, maybe he'll play just to prove that he's healthy, but I just don't think that, that they'll be he'll be as engaged. Yeah, I guess I just don't see them, even if you want to get into the semantics of a four seed or a five seed, you know, having to go up against a Houston or go up against a Golden State or even this Laker team, even if they stay pat now. Um, but you know, Popovich is going to play hardball. He he is not going to back down to Kawhi because he will say, listen, I'll let you rot on this bench. You're under contract for this year. That's fine. You know what? But sometimes you get stubborn and you trade Jimmy Garoppolo to the 49ers when you could have gotten a hell of a lot more the year before as well. True. You know, and, and, true, and true. sometimes you get stubborn and not everybody makes mistakes and this could be the one and he may end up retiring based off that. I'm talking about pop up. Yeah, of course. I, I'm interested to see what happens. I mean, I still, I would be shocked if he doesn't end up as a Laker, either in some way of a trade this summer at the deadline or obviously as a free agent a year from now. Um, but LeBron's going to try to get his way. Kawhi now has even more incentive to go there because how could he not want to? Him and LeBron together would be an unbelievable tandem between the offensive players that they are and obviously their defense. I know LeBron got some slack for his defense in the in the fine in the uh, Eastern Finals and the NBA Finals, but listen, how much energy can you exert on the floor? I mean, he had to conserve everything yeah, when he, he needs had. to play defense. He's a top, still a top five defender. He just agreed realizes that he doesn't need to go a thousand percent every single possession of every single game. It's a long season. Exactly. Um. So yeah, that was just a little fun. I know it'll never happen, but I I'm a big Lonzo guy. Like some people have called me the fourth ball brother. That's not good. That's not good. <laughs> and and Lavar is already talking. The about fact that LeBron. you're four, I think you could move up to two after Leangelo's nonsense. But <laughs> true, true. Um, but yeah. So moving on to the next thing, we pretty much talked NBA to death there. Um, we got MLB. So the Yankees had a really good weekend. Severino looked dominant, um, and they played really well against the Red Sox. Kind of understood on that Saturday game that you're you're facing. Probably the best pitcher, you know, second best pitcher behind Justin Verlander in the in the AL right now, um, in in Sale. You know, you kind of expected to lose that one, and I think I even said on the podcast, or you might have said it. I I just want to take two out of three, and yep. we did exactly that. Yep. Yeah, they did. CC pitched amazing. I love him, man. Yeah. I mean, he really. This is more fun watching him pitch now than it was even when, when he, he dominated. was when he was the when he was Chris Sale eight, yeah. eight, eight years ago. He just seems to be and you know, I'm not a body language doctor or whatever. He just seems to be enjoying it more. Yeah, I mean, now. I think he enjoys being the elder statesman. He enjoys being the team leader. And he's damn good as well. And he's great too. I mean, he he reminds me so much of what Pettit was on the on like the 07, 08, 09, 10 teams, even 12 when he came back out of retirement, not from the sense of tutoring, uh, tutoring young guys because obviously those were older veteran teams as well. But, you know, back half of the career is experienced. He's going to take his lumps in some games, but when there's a big game, especially against a team like Boston, to open up a, uh, a weekend series at home, you love handing him the ball. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, segueing into somebody I don't like handing the, the ball yeah, to. Yeah, on the on our show notes here, it says Sonny Gray. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, well put, dude. <laughs> I I we can't continue to beat this to death, but he is getting to the point now, and, and I can't say getting to the point. He might be there. You got to consider yanking him from the rotation when Tanaka comes back on Monday. I, I completely agree. I with you. Am, I'm telling you, man, and I don't know why they haven't done it. Say he stubbed his toe on the dugout and he needs ten days. I mean, you've seen it time and time again. You do these phantom injuries. The pitcher comes back and ends up being significantly better than he was before. I don't know. Maybe make it a maybe make it an extended one and have him go down to spring training and throw a couple. I would send games. him Triple A. I, I really would because you know what? <laughs> I don't know. They. They didn't give up anything as far as a trade to really warrant continually putting him back out there. Now, right now with the injuries, I get you have to throw him out. But Tanaka comes back Monday. And if Herman pitches well, they already sent Loezaga back down. He looks good, though. He looks okay. I mean, you know, he really battles. There's times where he looks like he's in control, and the other it looks like he still belongs in double A. But, but he looks like somebody that for the future could be right. something, something good. For sure. But... I'm tired of seeing this guy take the ball. He takes forever to throw. And, and oh, his games are terrible they're to watch. They're terrible to watch. And but I don't care if you win. And here's where I was losing it on Saturday. I know we were maybe going to record Sunday, and I'm kind of glad. And I, I didn't expect to resurface this anger. But here's how I feel, right? You win a great game the night before behind a CC Sabathia, who's 36, 37, doing everything he can, just showing he knows how to pitch to a dominant lineup. You're feeling good. It's Saturday night in New York. You could take this series that night. And before your team even gets a chance to hit, you're down 6 nothing to Chris Sale. I mean, if that's not gutless, if that's not embarrassing, if that's not pathetic, then I don't know what is. You can't do that to a team. I mean, the Yankees lost the game that night before they even got a chance to hit. And... You just cannot. I would say if it was just against the good teams that you try to maybe scratch them for those starts. But it, you know he got hit hard by Tampa the week before that. Oakland so Oakland early in the year. You know it's it it's unbelievable to me how a guy and I'm I was in favor of the trade. I know you were. We were both Sunny Gray guys at this yes. time last year. You know you gave up some prospects to get him. You thought he was going to kind of take you over that hill. I think he's just one of these guys who can't pitch in New York. I mean, at least in Yankee Stadium. Yeah, it's becoming more and more apparent to me, you know, and I try and brush that off, and I, I think that I wasn't a believer in that, but the more I see it happen, the more maybe he just can't take the fact that, you know, he's getting 20 articles written about him a week by all these different newspapers and, and dissecting his every single move that he makes. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe he can't just take this. Maybe he's a, maybe he's a Zach Ranky type guy where it's just like, I can't pitch in a big market. Although Zach Ranky did turn it around towards the end of his career in LA. He did. Uh, but, you know, this, this looks to me, and, and just get away from the mental side of it, he doesn't have an out pitch to me. I mean, I remember that curveball of his was filthy and he could rack up the Ks. I mean, in that first inning, it took him 37 pitches and, you know, he got two quick outs. 
He has a long at bat to Martinez on an infield single. He walks Moreland after being up 1-2 in the count, and he so, and he serves up that grand slam to Devers on a 1-2 hanging curveball. And it's yep. just foul ball, foul ball. He has no problem getting ahead in the count, but it doesn't look like he has anything to finish him off. And it's funny because you think about a guy like Pineda, who is very similar in that way of he would be so frustrating because you had no idea what you were going to get start to start. Or even Burnett, you know, of a couple years back. But at least those guys had the stuff where you knew when they were on they were capable of shutting a team completely down. You know, the Burnett curveball was as filthy of a pitch as yep. I can ever Pineda remember. Slider. Pineda slider. But Gray doesn't seem to have that pitch that can, when he's on, just rack up a K on an 0-2, 1-2 count. And I all just don't it, like watching my pitchers when I, uh, I'll, I'll pop on the game in the fourth inning, and he's already at 75 goddamn pitches, and it's four to nothing. Yeah, it doesn't look like he knows how to navigate lineups. It doesn't look like he has the ability to navigate lineups. At this point, he just seems unprepared. Yeah, I, I just think I just don't think I think his confidence is shot, particularly when he pitches in the Bronx. And and I get that Cashman's a proud guy, and he's going to continue to run him out there, but. I, I've seen. I'm there's tired. Better of, there's better sure. options Even within the organization. Yes, you, you said that perfectly. I, I I can't continue to watch him go out there because it's becoming this right. The Yankees have the second best record in baseball. They're one game behind Boston, and if it was any other division, they have 56 wins. I mean, they're what is wrong with this team? But you're throwing a guy out there where every game is precious, where you know that he's basically. The reason, I mean, they're, he even said, we're a great team four out of every five days and aside from the day that I pitched. That's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And not to mention the fact that, you know, it, it will be fine, like you said, if we were in any other division. But I do not want, as much as I think the Yankees would win it, I do not want to get into that one-game playoff. No. And, and, and you can't afford to take a chance and, and, and let him work through it. It's into July now. This has been all season. Let him long. work through it with his fi- with his fake injury that he has to rehab. Exactly, from. and you know what? If you can send Tommy Canely down, and you can send some other guys down, uh, position players yeah, or pitchers, you got to send Sonny Gray down because the name brand now, and this is kind of going to go into trade talk too. We'll talk about it in a little bit. I don't want them to target any more of these high ceiling young pitchers who have had one or two decent years. You know, it, it clearly as great as Cashman is, he's targeting those kind of pitchers. Evaldi's, Pineda's, now now uh, Gray ha- haven't really worked out too well. But um, moving on to the next night, which was Severino at his best against a guy yeah. who has his own problems in David Price. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Price really was pitching very, you know, having I think he had six straight really good starts, six straight wins actually um before he went against the Yankees, but he just can't pitch in big game situations, period. He's just terrible when when the lights shine the brightest. Um as for Severino, I think I texted you after his last pitch. Uh it was, you know, 7 and 2 thirds and I was like that was 100, that was insane. Um he do you, do you need to say anything else? He's he's great. No, he's the antithesis of Sonny Gray, where he takes the ball on the mound and he has the he has the mentality of I'm better than you. I'm gonna get you out, and he has that presence. He has that mound presence of an ace. And everybody's he's also about, got the stuff. He, well, of course, throwing a hundred. Yeah, I mean, but you look at Sonny Gray. He doesn't have bad stuff. No, That's he, the, when you're, he's not Severino, but but you know he consistently hits between 94, 95, even touches ninety six sometimes on a, on a good day when his arm's feeling good. 
and I don't, you know, I don't want to get back into the Sunny Gray talk because we've beat, you know, it's not worth beating a dead horse or whatever the saying is. Um, but when you throw 96 miles an hour, you don't need to throw a perfect pitch every single time. And when you have a, a, a good slider like he does or a curveball or whatever, it, whatever his off-speed pitch is, you don't need to, you don't need it to touch the, you know, the black of the, you know, the outside corner every single time. You just got to know how to pitch and you just got to have a game plan against these guys. And that's what you're getting paid all this goddamn money to, to do a little homework before you go out there and know where these guys like the ball to be pitched and don't fucking throw it there. Yeah, and that's what the Red Sox fans are now yelling at Price. I mean, you want to talk about mental, and you want to talk about guys that can't handle the big moment. Oh, what an awful signing. I at mean, least the Yankees aren't tied up like the Red Sox. Right, are. Sonny Gray's making basically nothing. So, yeah. it, you know, you don't have to worry about that. give up a young but. prospect for him, fine. But, I mean, the Red Sox, it's, I, I, like I said, their GM gets... It's like a get out of jail. I don't know what he must have something on the owners or something because he's just made bad deal after bad deal. I'll give him credit where credit's due. The J.D. Martinez signing was incredible, um, especially because he was asking for a lot more money and they got him to to stay a little bit lower. Um, and he's done, you know they've done a good job drafting over the past couple of years. But I mean that aside from Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez, you know, yeah, it's been bad and and. I mean, we don't have to even mention Sandoval. Devers is good. Yeah, but Devers is good. I mean, they, their, their young nucleus is as good as the Yankees, I believe. I mean, they don't have a catcher really, um, but they, you know, they're, that Chris Sale sign, trade obviously has paid dividends. Who knows what those prospects will do? But I don't think you can question what Chris Sale has meant to that organization. No, not at all. There. But I mean, uh, we could sit here for a long time and just rattle off all the bad moves he's of made course. too, and he's really gotten away scot free. Um, but, but yeah, David I mean, Price can't pitch a big game against the Yankees, and and they were supposed to be making anyone. He's terrible in the playoffs. Period. Yeah, and they were talking about it on the broadcast on Sunday night uh, about how you know Yankee Stadium is a house of horrors for him. I, I, I'm going past that. He's bad against the Yankees at Fenway. The Yankees tattoo him. Even when it was A-Rod, Teixeira, McCann, and those guys, it's passed on down now to the Judges and the Stantons and the Sanchez's. And I mean, he doesn't have. A, when I see him pitch against the Yankees. I don't really watch him pitch against other teams at this point in his career. I know his numbers are good against everybody else. To me, he everything is flat and around the same plane. He doesn't have a dominant out pitch. And the way those Yankee, especially power righties are. But, you know, that game was over for the Boston standpoint. We talked about Saturday with Gray. I mean, that game was over for the Red Sox before they took the, the plate in the second inning. I mean, it was four nothing already. Yeah, I mean, it, it's he, a nice feeling. It's a problem, and, and, and it for the show, Yankees, obviously. Yes, and and it goes to show, you know, those two kind of cancel each other out. Gray can't pitch in a big game, and neither can Price. So both teams are probably Boston probably doesn't need as much because they have more depth. But you can tell there's going to be a demand for whatever little starting pitching is going to be available on the market. Those two teams are going to look at where they are right now because. Boss, we're saying Sonny Gray can't pitch in a postseason series. Well, even as currently constituted, you feel good about Severino, postseason Tanaka, and CeCe. Boston looks, and they have Sale, and then it's like, shit, he's supposed to be our number two pitcher, and we can't pitch him in a big game against our arch rival. Yeah, but I could also say the same thing about, you know, pretty much anybody on the Yankees aside from Severino. I mean, yeah, CeCe, you got the veteran guy, but he, he, he gets injured a good amount. You know, you got to say it. You gotta you gotta call it both ways, and then Tanaka has always had his ups and downs. Um, 
But, you know, if you were to say Yankees versus Red Sox, you would say, I think the Red Sox have a little bit more of a solid starting staff because they also have Porcello, um, who looks like he's he's back to his, not Cy Young form, but just about there. Yeah, um, he's just very solid on Yeah, and I think the, the lineups are pretty much even. I'd give a slight edge to the Yankees because, you know, their bottom half with Andujar and um, – Torres is just in, incredible. But, you know, I'd say that's about even. But the thing that the Yankees have that the Red Sox definitely don't, aside from Kimbrell, is just, and maybe Joe Kelly, is everybody in the Yankees, including a new guy, Holder, are yeah. just dominant. And it, it really looks like Boone is just pushing the right buttons at the right time of late. Yeah, and, and for all of our screaming and yelling early in the season, I give Boone a lot of credit with his patience with Batantis because it's looked like he's really paid off. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, that's what I've noticed from him aside from Girardi. Girardi had his guys, and his guys pretty much threw. You know, you you could call you could basically call a game for Girardi when it came to the bullpen. Yes. All right, here comes this guy. Here comes that guy. Boone is keeping everybody, including guys Shreve, who we don't really like, and this that, and the third. But he's getting everyone involved, and not just in ten nothing games, in bigger situations. And that's how a guy who is doing very well right now, and one of the better pitchers out of the bullpen in the American League, like Holder, that's how he comes about. Because you got to get him reps. That's how you turn a guy like Batances around. You got to get him reps, and you got to have confidence in them. If this was a Girardi-run team, and that's what I find really important. That would have never happened, and you would have had your Robertson, you would have had your Chapman, you would have had your Canely, I guess. And 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 Batances would have probably collected dust on the bench and never turned it around, and we never would have found a guy like Holder. We would have had to go out and get another guy. Yeah. No, that that I, I couldn't agree with you more. That was absolutely true. And, and, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably what Cashman was looking for, right? I mean, because – it's one thing if you look at a Batantis, right, and say, ah, he's not fixable or he's too burnt out or he's got older or his stuff has declined. He, When he can throw the ball over the plate, even with Chapman's dominance, I don't know if there's a better singular reliever in baseball. Maybe, oh, no. I mean, no, he's nasty. 100 with that drop-off-the-table curveball coming at you from 6'8". Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. I still think they should have sold him at his highest midseason last year just about – but, you know, he's still on the team, and they really seem to have gotten his confidence back. Um, and I'm really happy with pretty much everything aside from some starting pitching woes that the Yankees have done. And not to mention the fact that their offense really hasn't rounded into form. I mean, pretty much right now, it's like one guy's going to carry the team for a week, and then the next guy. You got Judge being, you know, an MVP candidate. Yep, Stanton's um, really turned it on in Stanton's the last couple weeks. Looks like he's rounded into form, but aside from that, Sanchez is on the DL now. He also wasn't hitting, aside from a few home runs. You know, he's Bird can't buy a hit. And I was just about to say that. Bird hitting terribly. Your bench is not giving you much. Romine's cooled off significantly. Uh, Neil Walker as well. But then you got the two young rooks at the bottom, and they are just incredible. Yeah, they and and they both have uh, they both have uh, rookie of the month awards in back to back months. I mean, yeah, that's absolutely. pretty crazy. And I will eat my words right now. I know you've been giving me crap for him all year, and he's been kind of my punching MVP. bag because I want to see Clint. Hicks, but baby. Hicks has been amazing. I mean, he has eight home runs in his last, like, 17 or 18 games. And, you know, everybody says it. You know, you hear A-Rod, who did a recent broadcast, he always saw – I don't know. He must have had some kind of relationship with Hicks. Um, he always says, this guy's got all the talent in the world. This guy's going to be a great hitter. 
as long as he can stay focused and really lock in, and he's showing it. He's he's an incredible athlete and a great player when he's playing like this. And he's not only hitting the home runs that you want to see, he's hitting for average now too. Yeah, and he has the approach to of the Yankee sabermetric way of a guy who de- never has an easy at bat. You know, Absolutely. he has the leadoff hitter at bat, you know, um, patience batting fifth or sixth in the lineup from both sides of the plate with pop. Not to mention, obviously, which I can never argue with, is his gold glove outfield play. Yeah, and it's starting to look more and more because I saw a report on Bleacher, uh, on Bleacher Report, and I'm sure you saw it as well. The Yankees, obviously, Cashman's going to say this anyways because you don't really want to make it sound like a guy's available, like you, you don't care for him anymore, but it doesn't look like they want to get rid of Frazier. And I wouldn't either because Gardner has really not played well. Um, you know, he had a horrible at-bat yesterday where he grounded into a double play in a big-time situation against Atlanta, where if you're going to do that, especially being Brett Gardner, where you're one of the most professional hitters on the team um, and you're a veteran, just give me a bunt then. Um, but, you know, it really starting to look like that Brett Gardner is going to regress into a fourth outfielder role and that Frazier might end up taking over left field full time. Yeah, I think that's the plan. Um, it, and it looks like they're kind of using with – they've already kind of started pushing Gardner. I wouldn't say out the door, but they're pushing him into a regressed role. He batted ninth in all three games against Boston this weekend to bat Hicks lead, or lead off against the lefties. It's the first time Gardner's batted ninth in, since his call-up, you know, like 10 years ago. So – um, they're already doing that, you know, in National League parks. They they seem to be giving him the day, and they're they're letting Hicks play center while they move Stanton to left. And it, the signs are on the wall that although I still believe that he's going to play a part in some in whatever success the Yankees have this year, because yes. he is that. He's had some huge hits already this year. Absolutely, and he is the quintessential perfect fourth outfielder. He's always going to give you like an 11-12 pitch at bat. He's always going to fight. He's going to give you a quality at bat. He's going to play good left field. And he's going to play, you know, great left field. And and God forbid something happen, he can play a very serviceable center field and also be a halfway decent pinch runner because, yeah, he's not going to get you that stolen base. But if there's if there's a single, he's gonna go first to third. He's gonna he knows how to run the bases better than any other player in the AL. He's one of the best base runners in the league, and he's just a perfect fourth outfielder to have. Ellsbury's not coming back, so you know why not stick the kid Frazier, who looks like he could be an All Star in in left field. Yeah, I, I think the Yankee plan is to is to let him continue to dominate in Triple A. You know they're gonna give Stanton those other left field days. Uh, this year, um, and I know that they value, despite some of a, a shortened and diminished role, they still view Gardner as a very important cog in this team's success. Going forward next year, you could see them doing what they did with Damon. Damon had a very good 2009 season in the last year of his deal, playing left field on the world championship team. But you knew that, hey, listen. And, 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 you know, Gardner's really kind of assumed that role is, he, you know, he's good for a big hit. You know, he's going to run the bases. He can get you a steal or two. He's going to play good outfield uh, out there in the corner and left um, and be a good veteran leader with really good tough at bats like Damon was. But at the end of his deal, which is going to be at the end of this season, they're going to kind of say, hey, we're ready to move on. And that's probably why 
Cashman said, he's, like, he's in no rush to trade Frazier. And I know we want to see him because he's such an exciting talent. Even in the short time he's been up this year, he's had an imprint on some games uh, with his hustle, with his bat speed, and uh, and some of his defense. Um, they look at him as their starting left fielder in 2019 and beyond. So, it, it, but congrats to Hicks, man. I, I really, uh, I'm eating my words and I'm still going to continue to say, I hate him just so he can continue to play a role. A little, That's absolutely a little reverse psychology. Yeah. Hopefully he can, you know, hopefully he can build off this and continue to do it. The talent's always been there. It's just about, you know, putting it all together. Um, moving on from that, we can talk a little trade deadline. Um, so you saw, I guess that the Yankees are scouting Michael Fulmer, um, going by what you said like 10 minutes ago where you don't want the Yankees to go out and get a young guy. I, I don't know. I don't think you really support that deal at this current state. I don't. Uh, I mean, Fulmer hasn't pitched great this year. He didn't pitch great in the second half last year. He had that injury. Those shoulder injuries scare me. I mean, shoulder injuries for pitchers are not like Tommy John and I'm tired of going after these, you know, this is not a team that's ready to rebuild and take chances. You got to go get proven guys, even if they're at the later stages of their careers. You know, a Jay Happ is not going to cost nearly as much as a Fulmer because the Tigers are going to value him very high because he's under team control and is still a very, you know, high ceiling talent. Cole Hamels appeals much more to me at this point. If you want to take take flyers or, you know, uh, take a chance on, your young arms or young arms around the league, use yours. If you, you know, bring up Justice Sheffield, continue to throw Herman out there, keep Loisega on the roster, bring up Chance Adams, you know, like any of those guys. I'd rather do that than trade the house for Michael Fulmer, who has had one good year, albeit a rookie of the year season, but. I don't really want to want to trade what the Tigers would be asking for for him. I, I want a stable veteran piece in what a rotation. What do you think that package would look like? I'm saying it'd probably be like Frazier and I Adams. think they would ask about Andujar. I think they'd have to ask about Andujar. And then they would say, all right, like, well, we have to have Frazier. We have to have Sheffield. And then probably a mixture of another arm. And then a Tyler Austin, or and a um, Wade, and a Tyler Wade, or maybe even a Brandon Drury. I mean, he's. I'd he, rather take my chances if, with a guy like Sheffield or Louis Sega or yeah, or Herman. Or Herman. Well, that's and that's how I look at it, right? I mean, Pineda had that one great year in Seattle. It looked like he was going to be a perennial All Star. They he didn't quite pan out. He showed flashes of what he was that first year in Seattle, but he never really has put it together. Evaldi had the best arm in the world. He never was consistent. And now you're seeing the Sonny Gray who, who had that one really good run with Oakland, but then kind of like Fulmer, you know, a couple of injuries here and there, not numbers aren't astounding on a bad team. I mean, if you were to tell me at this time last year, I maybe you'd entertain it. But not now. I mean, a Jay Happ, a Cole Hamels on a veteran team who needs that last level of stability in an otherwise kind of doubtful rotation, uh, that I would that I would be I much agree. more welcoming to. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, then you you also have the uh, Dodgers looking for Fulmer and um, Machado. You know, that's crazy because the Dodgers already have one of the best shortstops in baseball. Obviously, Tommy John surgery this year, Corey Seager. Um, 
I guess they think that they could get a deal done after this year. Magic Johnson looks to be making moves on, you know, he's got, he, he I think he owns a piece of the LA Galaxy too. So he's got Zlatan, he's got LeBron, now he's going for Machado. It looks like he's just trying to make moves. Yeah. I mean, what, but what do you, what do you think there? Like, it, so you mentioned Seager, right? Like, is this a rental and then they're going to try to convince him? I mean, he can't play third. You have Justin Turner. You got Seager coming back. Can you Turner's, really make... Turner's an older guy, though. But they just think... re-signed him to a big deal. He can't really go anywhere. Absolutely. No, no DH I mean, in the NL. I mean, listen, they got a Logan Forsythe at second base. I guess you could probably stick Turner there. Um, I mean, obviously, he's not going to play first. You got Cody Bellinger there for the next 10 years. Um, I mean... I guess one of them is going to have to move, whether it be Seager or whether it be Machado. Both of them are natural shortstops, and both of them are gold glove candidates. So, I mean, maybe you could move um, a Seager to center field, um, potentially. I mean, I don't think they have a a full-time center fielder. Kemp has had an all-star type year resurgence there, but, you know, that's I think next year he'll go back to being old. Um, Puig is a right fielder as well as he's Puig. yeah, speak for I, itself. I mean, Machado is probably a top five talent in Major League Baseball. If you have the opportunity to go out and get a guy like that, I think you do it. You know, unless you know for a fact that he's going to sign with the Cubs or whoever else he's r- rumored to, like a Kawhi Leonard. You know, right. if you think you can convince him to stay and he's young, controllable, he's probably going to be a $400 million man just like Bryce Harper, then go out and get him if you think you can sign him for sure. But do not give up the farm for a guy that you're going to just cross your fingers and say, I hope so. And just, oh, we'll sell him on L.A. Well, you saw Paul George. The Lakers thought they had Paul George locked in because of L.A. And he chose Oklahoma City. So Yeah, and I think the bigger issue with, <coughs> excuse me, with the Dodgers is their rotation. I mean, Kershaw... That Her, back yeah. is is a real problem now. I mean, being a pitcher with a bad back, I mean, being anything with a bad back is just terrible. Um, and then the rest of that pitching staff is old. Rich Hill is old. Yeah, Maeda um, is not great. Yeah, Maeda. Uh, any most of their pitchers. I mean, they had the young guy Julio Walker Bueller came up. Yeah, and they had Julio Urias, uh, Urias who ended up electing for Tommy John surgery, but. Aside from that, you know, they they really don't have much. I don't know how their farm system looks. I ha- I'd have to look deeper into it. They have some arms still, and they have some talent that they didn't want to part with, but they have made a good amount of moves, particularly for Darvish and also for, um, for Forsyth last year. That cost them some pretty decent prospects in their pipeline. Um so yeah, I, I, I don't know what they're going to be able to do. Uh, it, you, it, that's going to be a tough risk just because of their roster construction. I would see the Cubs going after and having a much better shot at getting him, and especially because he's been linked to be wanting to sign there anyways, and the Cubs just have them a lot more prospects. If you can throw them some of uh, your top prospects plus, like I think we spoke to it earlier, and Addison Russell as well, who's a young shortstop that – you know, could play a lot of good defense for you at least and still has some pop. Um, I, I think that'd be a lot better looking of a package than whatever the Dodgers have to offer. Yeah, I think if you're trading a player Machado's caliber, if you're the Orioles, you have to get at least two major league players back. One who's playing the same position and another one who you can insert into your starting lineup or rotation because God knows the Orioles need it. I mean, if you're going to trade a player of Machado's 
you know, caliber. I mean, I, I just don't see even, and then on top of that, obviously with the premier prospects that the organization has, I don't um, think the Dodgers have enough unless the Orioles get really desperate and think uh, he's going to walk away. We got to get something for him, but I think there'll be other offers out there that are a little bit better. Fulmer. I mean, I don't know. I, the more you talk about him, the more I'm kind of less and less Inter, you know, yeah, and I'm talking about um, it from the Yankees. I mean, you could also look at it if you want to play devil's advocate. You could do the Garrett Cole comparison, where you know Garrett Cole. Garrett wasn't, Cole is much more proven than Fulmer, though. Yeah, but once Garrett Cole had like four consistent solid years. He did, but his last two years weren't great, and they had a little injury too. So you know, you could you can kind of have it one of two ways. Um, I I don't know. I, I and I was speaking more from the Yankee perspective. I mean, he's a, he's a great talent. I mean, he's shown that already in his short stint in the major leagues. And it, you can see why the Tigers value him so high because he's what they would hope to be their next Verlander. And he's going to take the ball every five days on a team that's trying to rebuild. Um, there's no there's no reason to trade him. I, I, I still think that the Mets have the two, at least one of the best bargaining chips in in the in the major leagues in Degrom. Yeah, but, they but you know you're gonna fuck that up. They're gonna screw that up. So they, whatever. Yeah, it's true. It's just you know if they if they would just come out and say under their new GM owner uh, you know management now with uh, Alderson stepping down, um, if they say listen we're we're really far away, <laughs> and you know look at look at the theme of those National League East teams. I mean, the, the Phillies sold off some older players. They got good quick. I mean, if this landscape of Major League Baseball can show you anything, it can show if you have really good young talent, whatever the projections might be, you are gonna you could beat it in within a year or two early. The Just Cubs by watching did it. The, Braves the Astros did it. The Braves and Phillies are doing it now. The Yankees have really done it. So, I mean, you look well, at the Well, the difference is, is that the Yankees were never terrible. No, but uh, but look how you hope that you hit on one or two of those great young players. They've hit on almost all of them. So yeah. the Braves, so did the Cubs. It looks like the Phillies are kind of doing that too, and you sprinkle some good veterans in there. It's just by the time DeGrom's, you know, you talk about selling at high value. I mean, look at what, a, what a DeGrom could do for a team like the Dodgers. I mean, if you can put him in a rot- in a in a rotation of pitching every five days against while well, you're going up against the Giants and you're going up against the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, I mean that is that is really a change. That is a true statement. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think that pretty much wraps it up. Um, it'll definitely start to heat up as uh, July moves on. Trade deadlines. What? Late end of July, thirty first of July, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, they'll, we'll definitely see some more rumors coming up. Um, last thing to talk about, I think we can get rid of this one quick. Um, just some NFL news. Uh, I think we have to talk about it just because it's a former number one pick and a quarterback. Jameis Winston gets suspended for um, I don't know if it was a sexual assault thing or whatever. Yeah, it was a sexual assault of an Uber driver, mm-hmm. I believe. Right? Yes, sir. Um, yeah, that was it. Was something from like three years ago. Just so stupid um, on his part, and obviously not a good thing. Uh, doesn't really is, seem like a gr- a mature guy, and probably not a very good guy. But I mean, he's not a very good quarterback either. On top no, of that, no, he he's not. He he's starting to. He had this winning pedigree, and like 
he the the only thing that I see him for in his first what is it three years in the NFL? Ah, uh, yeah, is a turnover machine. Like even just watching Hard Knocks, it's like even during their practices and stuff, it's like Jameis, you can't be getting dra- take the sack. You can't be getting dragged down and throw the ball up in the air. Like you get caught, you get taught that in Pee Wee football. Like, just because you made some plays at Florida State, this is the NFL. Like, everybody was the best player on their college football team in the NFL. You can't be making those kind of plays. And and he's just – I just don't think he's very good, period. No, I I think he has – His pregame speeches are horrible. I don't know if you remember that. (laughs) I actually do not. But the W thing, but whatever. We can go on from that. Yeah, I mean, from the the crab legs incident to anything else in between, and now, you know, anytime you have some kind of sexual misconduct or sexual assault or anytime those words or vernacular are used – that's a real issue. That's a warning sign. Side note on that one, though. Sorry to interrupt on you, but the fact that he commits a sexual assault, whatever, he gets suspended three games. Julian Edelman supposedly takes PEDs and he gets suspended three games. Come on, NFL. Well, come thank on. Thank you. And that was going to segue me in because you know what the actual suspension is for sexual assault in the NFL is, right? What? Six. So how did this become three? And he's not fighting it. So that's what I would like to ask Goodell and every everybody else who the powers that be in the commissioner's office how does somebody who's not going to fight it who was he's not going to fight it because he knows he's already getting off easy right but how how does that if if it's six games it's six games it's that's not standard it, it, that's standard so how does he get three i i don't understand without I, an appeals process and, and, or anything and the nfl too just to dig into them a little bit because once football season starts we're going to talk about football just like everybody else does is the greatest thing in the world but them up on their high horse like this i mean they they never make a statement as to why they rule with these suspensions and and fines the way that they do they never are called to the carpet they never have to come out and make a make an actual legitimate official statement on it i want to know why was this moved from six to three Obviously, it was a big deal. It went to court. It dragged on for two and a half years. He's not fighting it. He knows he's guilty. If it's six games, it's six games. Yep. It's not maybe four. It's not depending on the level because this is the kind of thing that is trickling down from organization down to organizations. You can't have a Ray Rice thing where if that's four games, you you go two and then be like, uh-oh, this is really bad because we finally saw the tapes, four. You know, the Josh Brown horrible incident of violence. That's violence, but sexual assault, domestic violence, sexual misconduct, you can't have these gray areas. Make this a decision. This is what these policies are in place for, so why are you going against the policies that you set in place, which... Is so you don't have egg on your face like this. Right. I can't think of any other league where issues like this, and, and, you know, in baseball, we've seen some domestic violence incidents over the past few years. I mean, Chapman served his suspension. Well, yeah, you Familia have one going served on, his. You have one going on right now with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays closer. Yes, yeah. Suspended enough. 75 games. You want to, or, or whatever it is, you want to look up the policy? It was. It wasn't even a story because it says in the le- in the league's policy, if this is a first time offense, you get suspended so many games. Across the ESPN ticker, I think it's, it's Robert Okuna or whatever his name is. Osuna, yeah. Osuna suspended seventy five games. There you go. No, oh, he was only suspended twenty five games or whatever. And it was the same shit with Chapman when he did it. 
And it was the same shit with the guy uh, on the Mets. Familia. Yeah. I mean, it's not that hard. It no. really isn't. And that's where it's, it. you know, you want to talk about all these reasons why ratings have gone down and you can speak to this, that, or the other. Uh, let's put it this way. I think people are just disgusted with how they handle these kind of situations. They don't. They they never seem to do it right. They're always the league that's behind the eight ball. They're always the league that's that's dragging their feet when it comes to social issues, uh, when it comes to um, personal conduct issues. Uh, uh, they just never are either ahead of the curve, but it seems like they're all the way back, you know, last decade, last century on these things. But just getting back to Jameis for a minute, I, I know we put in our notes, I, I kind of quotated the word bust. I think he's getting to that point. I mean, anytime you're the number one overall pick, I mean, the two suspensions he's had, the fines, and now, and, and, and he, like you said, he's just not very good. When does Tampa Bay move on to you from him, do you think? I know that's a hard pill to swallow, but... You, I mean, he's got... I don't... He's never made the playoffs. He's got a right around a 500 record. He might even be below 500. I don't know off the top of my head his um, his turnover to touchdown ratio, but I'm sure it's not what you want it to be for a number one pick. Um, you know, I don't really think Tampa Bay is in the position to move on within the next two to three years, but you got to think that they're probably talking about it at this point, where if he doesn't turn it around ASAP, then it's time to, you know... You can't you can't be half pregnant when it comes to a quarterback. You can't. More than any other position in sports, you either got to be all in on your guy, like even Jacksonville is right now with Blake Bortles, or most other teams are with their quarterbacks, or you got to be looking for the next guy. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I definitely agree. Uh, I kind of was along the same wavelength. I mean, when is he going to turn it around both as a personality standpoint and actually on the field? I mean, it's not like the guy's, you know, winning you 12 games a year and, and he's doing this. I mean, he's, he's not even winning you five. So, um, I mean, that's a loaded division. I mean, he's, the cards are stacked up against him, but don't I don't want to hear you, it. Yeah. You got the, you, you, you got Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans, you had Doug Martin, a former pro bowler. Um, you had a really good defense around you. That was a good team. That team should have made the playoffs. Yep, and they gave up on Glennon. Now, he didn't do much with Chicago. That team stinks. But you wonder if they were like, hey, we should have kept him. But you got your old boy Fitz there to back him up. So we'll see what he can do in a couple games. Hey, man, he played better than, than Jameis did for the few games that he did. Um, Harvard grad. That's it. So, yeah. Jet I great. Mean, yes, definitely for, for one year. Not two, but one year. Um. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much all we have to talk about today. Uh, MLB is going to be pretty dominant, especially because the NBA uh, free agency was a lot shorter than we had originally anticipated. Yeah, there's some still re- re- restricted free agents up on the board. Yeah, go, and you got but... Summer League that started a few days ago, and that's fun to watch for people like us that don't have anything to really hope for in the regular season <laughs> for our teams. So, you know, you can watch... Kevin Knox and Nilakina and Mitchell Robinson in Summer League and get excited for that. And whoever the Nets got, because I forgot. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> that's sad. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. I guess we'll talk to everybody next week. That sounds great. All right.